This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to our Monday, August 20th. 2018 edition of Invest Talk, and there are only two more weeks remaining in the month of August. So summer is fast coming to a close, sadly, and Labor Day will be here pretty quick. Now I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining us today on Invest Talk. And how has your summer been going? I hope uh, you all got a chance to maybe take a vacation or two, visit some friends, family hit the beach or the pool. I know uh, I've definitely been uh, had my fair share over this uh, this summer. So, uh, you know, it's 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 always important to get a little R&R, uh, not get too overly focused on your day-to-day uh, and live. Uh, but in able to do that, you have to take care of business. Uh, and business is not just your day-to-day personal life, uh, from uh, the people that you, you deal with in your job and your family, etc., but also making sure that you make strong, sound financial decisions on a regular basis. And I know that if you are a regu- regular listener to Invest Talk, you very likely use some of your time this summer to improve your knowledge of investing in order to produce those better outcomes, better financial gains in your portfolio, better financial decisions on a day-to-day basis. So today we will be talking about how to do that and of course we will be inviting your participation on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. Now in many ways marriage is like a business relation, arrangement. And when it comes down to it, it kind of is. Uh, it's, a, it's a contract uh, in, in the simplest form. And the business of a successful marriage also requires a degree of romantic stability. So suggesting to your spouse that your marriage should have a cost-benefit analysis evaluation, well, can be pretty tough, problematic. Even though it really is a good idea, and I'll explain why coming up. But first, your financial and investment questions will drive today's agenda. Here's a question that came in earlier on our 24-hour anytime line at 888-99-CHART. Yeah, hey guys. Uh, Nick out of Los Angeles. Uh, thanks again for all you guys do. Quick question. What kind of information do you use as far as instant news? You know, like uh, Pepsi, for example, with buying SodaStream or anything big in the market as far as quick, immediate text message or alerts, you know, to your phone or your computer. Thanks a lot. And I'll be listening on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a good question. I, I don't really rely on that because we're not ones to uh, jump on a, a news story and make a make a trade just on um, some headline, right? Uh, it, it's about due diligence and, and a more drawn out investment process and uh, and, and a, a a process that takes time uh, and isn't driven by one factor. So I wouldn't say I overly rely on one thing. Now, if I do want instant news and I want to know what's happening now, 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 now on a particular name, frankly, it's Twitter. Twitter 
beats, kills, destroys the speed of any traditional media outlet. Uh, it, uh, you know, you you may not get it fed up to you in your timeline, but if you're looking for it, you know, put in dollar sign, whatever ticker symbol of that company is, and click on latest, and you're going to get the latest um, news. And some a lot of it's junk, but if there's some pertinent news, you'll definitely find it uh, the quickest on on Twitter. So I like that. Um, you can also do Google alerts on particular names uh, that that send that. I believe they do text messages. I've never signed up for it, but I know they do emails for sure uh, of of headlines that hit their their news wire. So I hope that helps. Hope give you a little sense of where you can get the news that you want quickly but I also would urge you not to get too freaked out and make trades just simply on a, a news headline because typically the market reacts quickly and you've missed it before you can really make uh, a decision on it. Now if you are planning a wedding now, guys worry about certain things, and ladies concern themselves with oftentimes different considerations. But there's no doubt financial impact questions should be discussed before anyone ties the knot. Not just the day of, but ongoing. Uh, from, from budgeting, to saving, to long-term financial goals. And the main reason is because, although commendably fueled by romantic notions marriage is a business relationship it is a contract so two people get a license to make an agreement and pool their resources together towards a common goal that's what marriage is there's a verbal contract that states that both parties are committed to make it work and put in a large initial investment with hopes for great returns over time Although there are other elements involved, a marriage can benefit from common, common economic principles that are usually reserved for traditional businesses. And we found a great story on Investopedia.com about this. And here's some of the things you should do to construct or maintain a strong business relationship. One is cost-benefit analysis. Consider whether the marginal cost of doing something is worth more or less than the benefit that would be received from it. Like getting a new car, for example. What if uh, one spouse commutes five miles a day, right? And doesn't really use, they don't use the car very often. Does it make sense to, uh, and maybe that car's paid off or the payment on it's extremely low. Does it make sense to trade up for a luxury car that really you're not going to use very often? That's an overly simplistic thing, but the same could be applied to a real estate. It may be nice to have a big home. might feel better that you have 3,000 square feet or three acres, but are you going to use all of that space? What's the cost that's going to take to, and time to maintain all of that space? So when you're making decisions together, that's, that's similar, right? It's a similar cost-benefit analysis that you have to figure out. And then competitive advantage. A successful marriage isn't always 50-50. And that's why many people uh, uh, divvy up the marital duties based on who can do them best, right? Who makes the most money? Who takes care of the kids better? Who takes care of the house better? 
who plans trips better, who manages the money better. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's never always going to be fair. But making that decision of who does what better can be very important to uh, longer-term success. Same with the company. Number three, moral hazard. The assumption that your marriage is just too big to fail can lead to taking one for granted, right? The spouse taking the other for granted. So you have to stay invested in your relationship. And there's only you two are going to bail each other out. There's no one else going to come and bail uh, a relationship out that is in a bad state. So just like anything, just like a portfolio, you don't just buy and forget about it completely. You have to maintain it and pay attention. And just like a business, right? Number four, loss aversion. Some people in the stock market, they hold on to bad stocks because they just can't, av they can't avoid or they can't admit that they've been defeated. They lost money. They made a bad decisions. Same with maybe what you're wrong uh, when it comes to an issue with your spouse. And many people can't take that ego hit to say, you know what, I was wrong. And that happens in business as well. Uh, many people think that, oh, this next great thing is going to save our company or grow our company dramatically. Same with the, uh, 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 a marriage, right? Uh, this great investment or this decision that we're going to make is going to get us out of financial problems or put us into uh, the mansion of our dreams. And at some point in a business or in a relationship, you have to admit that you, you're wrong. So think about that as well. And then lastly, avoid quick emotional decisions. This goes back to that caller I just had. Headline news uh, that gets you into some sort of a, a bullish or bearish state, uh, a particular stock, that can happen with a decision that you're making with your spouse. Something bad happens or something good happens, and you use that positive feeling or negative feeling to rush into a particular decision without understanding the full ramifications of pros and cons. And that's the same with a business, same with your investment portfolio, same with a relationship as well. So the economic approach to marriage might not be the most romantic option, but it does provide a realistic framework for managing relationships, business, portfolios. And if this tried and true, these tried and true theories can really uh, make or break multi-million dollar corporations probably is going to do well for yourself as well. And I hope you know that while Steve Peasley and I don't specialize in providing marital advice, although Steve uh, used to work for the church helping new couples and, 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 and managing them through that initial phase. So he has some, some definite uh, experience in this space. But we do offer unbiased financial advice. And you can call our Dana Point office or send us a message through investtalk.com. All right, now the lines are open. I'm ready to take your questions. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to hear from you. What is on your mind? What can we do to help you help promote your understanding of various investment terms, practices, explain processes, etc.? So get your question in now. All types of questions. I want to hear from you at 888 99 chart. 
It's a Monday Invest Talk. August is half over. School is restarted for some, but there's still time for you to sharpen your investing skill set. Stay with Invest Talk. And now, Justin's here, and he's taking your finance and investing questions live. 888 99Chart. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Now today's main talking point is about Amazon, and there's uh, they, they had earnings. Uh, was it last week? And they uh, there's some financial metrics, earnings metrics that uh, I think will be helpful to break down, and and not just uh, for people that own Amazon or looking to own Amazon, but just to understand how to look at uh, a quarterly report at least in broad strokes, okay? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I also want to touch on interest rates. Uh, Jeffrey Gunlock, who's one of the best bond managers out there, he is placing his bets on interest rates going lower, and I'm going to talk about why, and I actually agree with him. Then we're going to talk about a proposal out of the White House, or at least something that President Trump has asked financial regula regulators to consider, and that is going from quarterly investment earnings, or sorry, not investment, but quarterly earnings reports to semi-annually. So only doing it twice a year versus quarterly. And I'm going to talk about what I think of that and whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. And then lastly, we're going to talk about student loans if we have time and how that's affecting the overall economy. But I want to talk about the, the market quickly. We had the, let's see, we had the Dow up a whopping 89 points, the S&P up 7 today, and the Nasdaq with a slight positive gain of about 4.5 points. Russell was up 7, a decent day there. Uh, NYSE was up about uh, 56 points, about 0.45%. So a modest up day in the markets. Uh, still, we're going to the third week of the Tesla drama. Uh, that was That's, that's continuing to be interesting. So I want to hear from you. 888 chart is how you get through. That's 888 chart If there is ever a moment when you question how well your portfolio is doing or maybe should be doing, make time to look into the various investment strategy programs available to clients of KPP Financial. Just head over to investtalk.com, roll over the Invest Talk Programs menu link, and read all about them. And now, we're taking your financial and investment questions live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Noel in Napa. You want to talk about dividends? Yes, Justin. Uh, good afternoon to you. Uh, just a simple general question. Uh, uh, some, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, I got some stock uh, free as a dividend, a special dividend. They issued stock based on how many shares of the company's stock I already owned. Uh, anyhow, I want to uh, determine, uh, at some point I'm going to sell these, uh, this stock, and I need to know the cost basis for the IRS. And so... Initially, I was thinking it would be zero because it was just given to me for nothing. 
Uh, but then again, maybe, uh, hopefully, a, a better scenario would be if, if the cost basis of this uh, uh, stock given as a dividend was the uh, uh, the value of that stock on the, the day of issue that it was given to me, that would be a better scenario. I'd have to pay less tax that way. Uh, I'd have a higher cost basis, in other words. So uh, mm-hmm. what's your take on Yes, that is my interpretation of how it worked. Now, I'm not a CPA, so that's more of a, a question for a, a tax professional. Uh, but oh, if okay. it is I spun off as a dividend yeah. from... Yeah, from from what my understanding always has been is yes, whatever the value was when it is uh, paid out as a dividend, or I consider it more of a spinoff, uh, then that yeah. would be your cost basis. So I would imagine okay. that's that what it is, be, but I would definitely I corroborate that with the CPA. Exactly that way. <laughs> well, thank you very yeah, much, exactly. Justin. Appreciate your your uh, thoughts on that. Thanks, Noel. Let's talk a little bit about Amazon. And uh, there, this is uh, Market Behemoth. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's now the second or third largest company in the world, and they're one of the fastest growing in the world. Let's say that their their revenue last quarter grew 39%. Earnings are starting to pick up uh, dramatically, uh, and mainly that's because of their web services. But what I want to do is break down the fact that there are different segments of this business and and really any business and you really understand where that is coming from and uh, it's it's a, it's common that the different businesses that a company has contributes in different proportions not only from the revenue side but also the earning side uh, and uh, the, the growth side of the business as well some may be growing than others. A typical, a lot of times, the smaller portion of the business is growing faster than the larger portion of the business, and Amazon is a great example of that. Now, Amazon's online store revenue grew 12% year over year, and you're going to say, well, that's good, 12%. It's a nice double-digit growth rate. Well, in fact, this is probably the weakest part of this report, of their report, is because this is a decelerating part of their business. It's still growing, but it's decelerating. A year ago, revenue was up 22% year over year. Okay, In the fourth quarter of 2017, it grew 17% year over year. In the first quarter, it was 13%, and now it's at 12% year over year. So you're seeing a deceleration in their online store revenue. Uh, revenue. Now, the positive, even that's that's not a positive, it's definitely a negative that growth is decelerating. The good part of that is, I don't know if you know this, but they don't make a ton of money from their online store business. Their margins are super, super thin. Not to say they don't make a lot of money, just in proportion to their revenue, their their margins are so thin that they don't nearly make as much money on that side uh, as you would probably imagine. Now, Second, that's that's 49% of their business is the online store revenue or their revenue, uh, 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 total revenue. Amazon Web Services, which is about 12% of their total revenue, that is where growth is really picking up. 79% or sorry, 60, 49% year over year, really solid growth there, and that is actually very profitable. They have high margins on that side of the business. Their subscription revenue 
is also doing very, very well, up 55% year over year, which is a bit consistent of what we've seen uh, from that side of the business over the last few uh, few quarters. And that only represents about 6% of their overall revenue. Then there's third-party resellers. That's been consistently growing, 36% growth on that side. Uh, physical stores, this is where you're seeing most of their, their growth. It's not really organic because they purchased it. They purchased Whole Foods. And that so sales are roughly flat quarter over quarter. They didn't have it a year ago. But quarter over quarter, uh, it was up um, about $50 million. Not really a, a big move. Uh, so what this is showing you is where their business and profits are really ramping up from. And that is from subscription services and Amazon Web Services. The biggest problem with that is that it, that is also the most competitive area of their business from the likes of Netflix and Apple and Spotify, uh, certainly on the subscription side there. And then you have Amazon Web Services and uh, a lot of other companies are trying to get into what they do and margins are certainly uh, going to be squeezed over time. So. I hope this gave you a sense of how to break down an earnings report. I, I think Amazon is a great company. I certainly want to, wouldn't buy it at these prices, but it gives you a sense of how to look at breaking down different businesses of a particular company's earnings report. Now tomorrow on Invest Talk, four things to know about backdoor Roth IRA conversions. I want to hear from you. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues next. First, good reason number five for a portfolio checkup with Steve. Steve says that many portfolios he looks at are weighted in just one or two sectors. A diverse mix of market sectors is so important to the health of a retirement portfolio. Steve can help you reorganize your retirement portfolio. He can make suggestions about the sectors of the future. And if you'd like a KPP financial program that fits your goals and your life situation. There's never a cost for InvestTalk listeners and no sales pitch or obligation of any kind ever. To schedule your one-on-one -on -one conversation with Steve, just go to investtalk.com and click on the InvestTalk tab and then Portfolio Review, or you can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts. And now let's continue with the podcast. Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? If not, please do so. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. And now, Justin's here and he's taking your calls. 888 99 Chart. Hello, Steve and Justin. My name is Wesley from Stockton, California. I am calling because I am curious about IDEX Laboratories, IDXX. It is a pet food play that also has space in veterinary equipment and water treatment for the farming industry. I know it's a growth stock and not a value stock, but today I had a dip and I've been waiting for a dip to buy in and I was hoping that you can see some positive fundamentals on this company. If you could take the time today and speak about it, that'd be great. Thank you. All right, uh, let's see. IDXX, uh, I'm having a little trouble with my internet at the moment, so uh, I might have to audible into another, let's see. Hmm. 
Yeah, my internet is not cooperating right now. So I'm going to have to go to a talking point and come back to this stock in just a little bit. Uh, hopefully my internet can start cooperating with me. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about interest rates. And this is an article uh, or a report from Jeffrey Gunlock. And he is, I think, one of the best bond monitor managers out there. He, he understands kind of the 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 ways and how the markets work and what the bond market is telling us uh, and a bond market frankly tells us a lot more than the equity markets and right now he's talking about a big bet on treasury rates treasury rates are headed lower most likely but there's a big bet that they're headed higher and we're actually at record short position on treasuries that going back to you know since they reported it basically and this is the commitment of traders report and if you're ever looking at this report you want to focus on which way the institutions are placing their bets or the commercial money as it would be said in their report because they're the ones that are needing to buy or sell a particular asset. Whereas speculators, money managers, etc., they're typically on the wrong side of the trade. Okay? So just remember that. And right now we're at record short positions for those traders, those speculators. And what that typically means is they're going to be wrong and interest rates are going to go down as opposed to up. And history says 75% of the incidents when hedge funds rushed into wagers that yields would travel one way, rates would end up moving the opposite direction in the following month. And I agree with that. And there's multiple reasons. One is simply that strong uh, short position that will eventually need to be covered or reversed. And then the economic picture. Uh, globally, we're certainly slowing down. Uh, inflation's certainly moderating, and that's always an indication that the economy is slowing, that uh, interest rates are going to head lower. And I think that's what you're likely going to see. Now, are we going to go from around the 3% level in the 10-year to back below 2? I wouldn't say that, but we're going to need to get down to probably the 2.4 level, 2.5, uh, to get to a level where the, the the trade is unwound okay and the bond market is recognizing the economic realities that we're facing which is not necessarily a, a, a economy that's negative but is certainly slowing from a growth perspective and uh, and Trump wants to talk about four percent in uh, GDP growth in the second quarter and that was that certainly was true uh, some of that you could argue was pull ahead because of tariffs and the fact that people were trading and doing business before tariffs were enacted and that pushed up economic growth to some degree how much it's hard to know but also some of it is just the factor of a tough comp meaning in the third quarter you're looking at the third quarter 2017 and that's a much tougher comp year over year from a growth perspective to deal with and the odds are we're seeing a slowing global economy so I hope that helps you uh, understand where we're at, what 
what type of market we're likely to see in the near future and where interest rates are headed because uh, where interest rates are headed are going to be very important to housing, the overall economy and it tells you what is happening to the economy because the, the, the bond market is certainly going to be uh, an indication of where that is headed. 888.99 chart, 888 we're gonna to go to a actually we're gonna to go to a voicemail. Yeah, let's go to a, we're gonna go back to uh, IDXX because I believe my stuff is up. My internet is finally working. It is finally working. Thank you very much. I just had to switch something real quick. We're back. So okay, IDXX uh, like the caller had. This is if my wants to finally load. I know he said it was in the. It sounded like it was a very complex company. Develops products, provides pr services primarily for veterinary, bio-research, dairy, and water testing markets. Certainly diverse. Revenue over the last two years has grown in the 10 to 15% range year-over-year. Year. Earnings up about 20% year-over-year. And certainly a, a, a growth name, like he said. $21 billion market cap. Let me look a little deeper at these numbers and give you a sense of how over or undervalued it is. They don't have a lot of debt. I love that about that about about this company. Their operating earnings is only about two percent. That's pretty low. Enterprise value to EBITDA is at forty. That's also high, which means it's uh, not good. Uh, so it's expensive on that in that sense. Uh, let me look at the chart real quick and try to get a sense of is is momentum petering out. Uh, is this something that you need to worry about? And I'm just from a, a price perspective, I would say yes. I think uh, it, it looks like it's a little tired. You had big volume uh, today or yesterday, uh, and that was on the downside. I don't like that. Uh, I would stay away from it. I would stay away from IDXX. I think it's just too expensive. It's certainly a good company, very profitable. Return on assets 19%, return on invested capital 27%. Very strong. I like all that, all those numbers, but it's also very, very expensive. So keep on your watch list, but I would stay away from it right now. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for making time to join us here each weekday from 4 until 5 p.m. Pacific time. It's streamed live through investtalk.com and broadcast live in the Bay Area on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, Invest Talk, just what do we do here? What do we try to accomplish for you? Well, the idea is that the more you listen, the more you will learn about the investing knowledge you need to know and related financial questions. Our theme at InvestTalk is above average investing for the average investor. And that translates to you don't need to be an expert. Steve and I are the experts. So all you need to do is bring this hour to your inquisitive mind and inquisitive mindset and the willingness to call with your questions and be open-minded, not stuck to a particular idea. Absorb information. Take the pros and the cons of whatever you hear, not just from us, but everybody. And give us a call. Get your questions answered on an anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. If you live anywhere in Northern California and you missed your opportunity in July to sit down with Steve Peasley for a one-on-one -on -one portfolio review, there will be a second chance. Yes, Steve is returning to San Jose very soon on August 29th. 
and he can help you fine-tune your portfolio so that it produces improved results. Appointments are free of charge, but they're almost filled. Don't delay. Register now through investtalk.com. And now, Justin's here, the phone lines are open, so get your questions in, 888-99-CHART. Hey, this is Alias out of Corpus Christi, Texas. I have a question about dividend payouts. I've often heard you say that every time a stock will pay out a dividend, the price of the stock goes down to whatever the amount they paid. Say they paid 50 cents per share, then the stock drops 50 cents. My also understanding is that they only pay dividends if they can afford to pay a dividend if they had earnings per share. What happens whenever a company cannot afford to pay the dividend? What happens to it? Where does it go? Are they still obligated to pay it? And if they do pay it, the stock will still drop. And if they don't pay it, what happens to the stock? Thank you. I'm sorry. I hope you understood that. I love the show, and I'll listen on the podcast. Thanks, guys. I definitely understood your question, and it is a good question. And you, your first part is correct uh, about the dividend uh, price dropping, the amount of the dividend, the day of X, the X dividend date, etc. Uh, oh, and one thing, and so the latter part is a deeper dive question, and that is really the what you first need to understand is that dividends are optional. They're not like a bond payment, right? Where is a company has de- corporate debt? They need to pay interest on it. And if they don't, they default and they have to go through some sort of bankruptcy process. A dividend can be increased, but it can also be decreased just as easily. And many times you will see a stock drop before the dividend gets decreased or eliminated sometimes. Uh, And they eliminate it usually when they run into financial stress and not able to do it. Okay, so that, that happens many times. And that's why we talk about when you see a stock that has a 18% dividend. Well, that's great. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you one example. as a caller from last week about high crush limited partnerships. And I got a few emails about this. HCLP is a 24.5% dividend yield. And that sounds fantastic. Right? You're getting a 25% payout every year well if you look at the history they have cut and increased their dividend consistently this isn't like Procter and Gamble where you're gonna get the same whatever 55 cents a a share every quarter it's not how it works in fact high crush partners uh, cut their dividend completely I believe in 2016 just a couple years ago now things are better for the business they increase it but guess what if the business goes down again Oil prices go down because that's the, the, the business that they're in. They're going to cut their dividend. That is not what we call a safe dividend. That is a high-risk dividend, very high-risk dividend. So understand that. Dividends are optional. The board of directors, the, the, the management can cut dividends really at any time they want. So be aware of that. And if they can't afford it, they simply don't pay it. 8899 chart, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's talk a little bit about this recent suggestion by not only Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan, but also Warren Buffett. And they call for companies to move away from 
quarterly earnings per share guidance because they think that this leads to unhealthy focus on short-term profits at the expense of a long-term strategy growth and sustainability. And President Trump has gone a step further and asked financial regulators to consider allowing public, public companies to share information with investors less often. So he directed the SEC to study this idea. And I have to tell you, I think this is a horrible idea. Why? Because it would make those semi-annual reports even more important. Right? If something happens less often, you focus on that big thing like it's everything. Right? Think of a wedding. You have a wedding, I say, once a lifetime, hopefully. And it's this huge ordeal. Well, imagine if you had, quote-unquote, a wedding every year. How much of an ordeal would it really be? How much of an event would it be? Would you really put that much focus on it? Would people fly in from all over the country, all over the world, to go to that annual wedding? No. So I think this is a bad idea and it would create less transparency. Think about the financial shenanigans that companies throughout history like an Enron, a WorldCom did on a quarterly basis and what you know Tesla is doing today and instead allowing them to go six full months without updating the public and shareholders on how their business is doing. It's counterproductive. In fact, technology these days is uh, uh, deploying or, or allowing business intelligent, intelligence software and big data software to really automate a lot of these reporting re reports, right? Think about sales software and uh, payroll uh, software and all of this software that is allowing data, data to flow easily throughout an organization internally, why not make that all external to some degree and report monthly or weekly or even daily? That's the, that's the direction we should go. GE is a good example. They obsessed over beating expectations by a penny every quarter and that resulted in accounting fraud, uh, executive turmoil, and really uh, a bad stock because they were managing. You think that, that uh, having it semi-annually would make people less focused on those semi-annual reports? No. People would be more focused. They'd have bigger impact. So there'd be more incentive to do financial shenanigans. So I think this is a bad idea. I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk. Four things to know about backdoor Roth IRA conversions. Congress has allowed people with high incomes a way to fund a Roth IRA. Steve will break down the story tomorrow. But now, Justin's here and he's ready and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Nick calling from Richmond, Virginia. 
My question is regarding Align Technology, A-L-G-N. Um, they had a positive earnings report for Q2 where they beat revenues and profits estimates, and it they, they were down almost 5% following that report. So I was just curious if you could give some insight as to what may have caused that, and I will be listening on the podcast. Thanks so much. I'll give you a very simple explanation, and this is what I talk about many times with growth companies. It's slowing growth. It's all about the trajectory of growth. And this is Align Technologies. And for everyone else, there, else out there, this is Invisalign. If you're watching on our YouTube live stream, you will see the all the information I have up. The return on equity, 28%. The revenues are up 38% year over year, but that is a slower growth from the last uh, couple quarters, which are over 40%. Earnings were up 53%, but that's also slower growth, growth from the past three quarters. No dividend, uh, very little debt, good cash flow, but extremely expensive. A $28 billion market cap on a company that does less than a billion dollars a year in revenue. Now that revenue is growing dramatically uh, and their cash flow is strong, but it's not nearly as strong as it, uh, it should be uh, or to in relation to the market cap of the company, let's say that. The enterprise value to EBITDA is 59. That's extremely high. It should be about a third of that number. Uh, I'll take a 20 because of the growth, and I like the business. What I wonder is, do they have a lot of competitors? Uh, do they have a and they have a proprietary system, but do they have something similar out there that's not Invisalign? So I love companies like this that have a strong economic moat, that have uh, it's proprietary technology. But I, I'm only going to pay so much, and I think you're way late to the game. Uh, this needs to be closer to 200 as opposed to 350 as it close at the close today. At 200, I love it, but uh, I don't think uh, at this level, at 59 times enterprise value to EBITDA, I'm going to pay up for that number. Let's go to Nick in Hayward. He wants to talk about EXEL. Yes, sir. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate it. I, I bought some uh, at about twenty dollars, and it's down uh, to seventeen sixty nine. As I see, is that buy, sell, or hold here? In your opinion, please. Ooh, I would sell. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the biotech space right now, and this is definitely in a solid downtrend. Revenues are once again uh, slowing growth, which I don't like that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I, I don't like the technical picture at all on this name. Uh, it, it was consolidating bearishly, and it just started to really break down, uh, down 7.8% today. Uh, I would cut your, your losses and move on, uh, mainly because of that slowing growth, okay. and I just don't like the space overall. Okay. Do you have a time for one more? Sure. N-E. N-E. Noble, Noble. Uh, so this is one of the largest oil. Is oil or is this a? Yeah, oil company. That's what I thought. Yeah, oil yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, companies out there. Actually, it's not that big. One point four billion dollar market cap. So, revenues on the consistent decline, losing money. This is a Swiss company, offshore contract drilling services. I don't like that because a fracking has kind of replaced uh, the the. 
the marginal producer of oil, which used to be kind of offshore drillers because uh, of the lower cost. But I don't like it. I don't like this uh, the, that fact. Uh, so it has a lot of long-term headwinds. It's you know had a decent rally here, but they have a lot of debt. And I, I if oil goes back down, I think fracking is going to take a that marginal place as it has in the industry and I would not be owning Noble either. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for the call, Nick. Glad you made it. Now this that thing that's it for the Monday. Another Invest Talk radio show destined to be posted within an hour to our podcast player library at investtalk.com. Thank you for listening and please come back tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.